Phil Mickelson again makes Pebble Beach his own personal playground with his fifth win on the Monterey Peninsula. Let's dive into the data that matters and see how Phil got it done. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf, the podcast. It is a Data Monday, and we will hop into the data soon enough to kind of see what Phil did in order to make that happen there in, Mon- in the Monterey Peninsula once again for his fifth AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am title. Uh, he has to feel very positive about the U.S. Open being there at Pebble Beach later, right, later this year. That could be really cool. Be, be fun to see him kind of finish off the career Grand Slam there. And there's a lot to be excited about. Phil talked about this week about how his driver speed has picked up six miles an hour. And a lot of people I heard talk about that just thought that was just completely impossible and, 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 and you can't get that kind of done. Well, that is completely false. Personally, I've seen somebody in their mid-60s uh, work on some speed training and work on their body and work on some flexibility who picked up 10 miles an hour speed in, in their driver swing. So it is possible. There's just certain things that we have to do. But, but again, going back to data, if we look at the data and we, and we look at use technology and understand our bodies and understand our swings and get them on plane and then work on the stuff that's not working properly that's identified by this technology, we can do incredible things even as we get older in life. Technology is this that much better, and and it's pretty exciting. So back to Phil and what he's been doing. I really enjoyed watching this morning two holes to play. And shout out and congratulations to Ryan Smith of Qualtrics, who was the amateur who contributed the most to his partnership. I didn't even know that Ryan plays at our home club club here at Riverside. Didn't even know he was in the tournament, but uh, he was played well, representing. Riverside in our club very well. He's a good dude. I like Ryan a lot. Congratulations to him. Also, I really love to listen to Phil talk about his family and talk about in, in specifically his grandfather. And he showed kind of on TV the silver dollar that his grandfather kept with him in his pocket at all times. And he would put his hand in his pocket and, and grab hold of that silver dollar every time he felt poor. And he was poor and he was struggling financially. And he thought to himself, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to do whatever I can to make sure that my family that's coming behind me has more opportunities than I've had in my own life. And Phil is proof that that actually worked out. And so kind of cool to hear Phil talk about that and that tie-in. Phil now uses the actual coin only at Pebble Beach, but then uses a replica everywhere else, which again, super special and really cool and obviously makes Pebble, Pebble Beach a very special place for him. I guess that's where his grandfather caddied. So a very special place for their family. And then I heard that Phil used to, you know, have his caddy pull off the flag and he would send it to his grandfather. So his grandfather could have that as sort of a token of how grateful Phil was to his grandfather for providing him with these wonderful opportunities. So really cool story. That kind of endears us to Phil when you hear things like that. It definitely did that for me this morning and was really grateful to hear him talk about it. It was very cool. So, okay. So let's talk about this. This morning was pretty amazing. As we went into resuming this round, there was a little controversy last night as Phil wanted to kind of keep playing. He had a three-stroke lead. He was warmed up. He was playing well. He said his eyesight's great, which is, right, super great for somebody in their late 40s. 
but he just wanted to get it done. And with the three-stroke lead, I think we get it. Wanted to go up to the Peninsula Airport and hop on his plane, fly home. Um, but uh, Paul Casey, again, totally understood why he wanted to not finish out. He wasn't playing well, but he also wanted to protect his um, amateur partner, that he could finish it off and they together could win the amateur portion of the uh, AT&T Pro-Am. And, and they did. They won that, and Paul seemed to be very happy with that, and then finished a nice second, birdie in the 18th hole, which was very cool. But it was funny listening up to where the tournament started, uh, everybody talking about whether Phil can get it done and what's it going to take, and you know Phil's getting older and it's cold and all this. And what does Phil do off the 17th tee? He just hauls off and, and rips a 7-iron. I guess there was a little breeze at their back. Rips a 7-iron down and puts it to, I don't know, it was like 8 feet or something, 6 to 8 feet. Almost made that putt. But when he hit the green and had complete control over his ball, first swing out of the gate, everybody just kind of said, hey, you know, Paul, better look next time because Phil looks like he's got this thing sewn up. And then he almost made that birdie putt, goes off on 18, hits an iron off the tee right in the middle of the fairway, you know, hits his third, plays a three-hole, a three-stroke hole, hits his approach shot in there and then makes the putt for birdie. Uh, it was cool to see uh, Paul Casey make his putt for birdie as well to finish solo second, which is awesome. So really cool, great finish. It was great. Really fun to watch and glad we got to do it. So jumping into the numbers then. So we're going to look at sort of the fun numbers, the consistency numbers to get to know Phil's game a little bit better. And then we'll jump into Phil's performance, not only this week, but his performance over 2018 and kind of see how that fits in with our benchmarks like we do every week. And uh, I will try to speak more slowly so we don't uh, confuse anybody. I know that uh, comments coming in that I've done that in the past. So we'll try to avoid that today. We'll see how we do. So first, Mickelson winning the tournament takes him from 40th place in the FedEx Cup all the way up to 6th place. Phil has played in 598 events over the course of his career. 598. Out of those 598, Phil has made 500 cuts for a uh, cut percentage of 84%, which again, we know Tiger Woods leads this stat with 91%, but that's pretty solid. 84% is is pretty great. So as far as we're just going to go right into the numbers and, and how that looks for Phil and how he played this week. So Phil typically, his driving accuracy average, how many times he hits a fairway, is right around 53% in 2019. At Pebble Beach, he hit the fairway 60% of the time. So definitely better. But when you consider that um, Phil actually started the week, and he kind of put out a video on Instagram, but he started the week with hitting 100% of his fairways. So he was playing off 100% and finished 60. So we would think that that probably didn't go so well through the week. So let's take a look at that. So round one, we know it was 100%. Round two was 43%. And he played on Spyglass that day. So 43% at Spyglass. His first day at Pebble Beach was Saturday, 50% of the time. And then his final day at Pebble Beach, the final round, also 50% of the time. So average those all up together, and that is the 60% that we're talking about. So that's it. So he averaged 60%, which is definitely better than his standard 53%, but he started with a 100% day at Monterey Peninsula Country Club. So, yeah, 
driving percentage a little weird. Again, it was raining, but when it rains, it makes the course soft. And when the course is soft, it's easier to hit fairways. So something to keep an eye on. And Phil's definitely hitting the ball further now if he picked up six miles an hour on his on his swing speed with his driver. So something to keep an eye on. But still, that uh, 53%, our, what we call our benchmark, is 47 to 62%. So that's right in that that range there. Tour quality still is right in that 50% range. So he was right there. But it is funny to note that that uh, even with his very, obviously 100% is way above, but right. So these benchmarks are very accurate when comparing, looking at Phil's game. All right, greens and regulation. Typically, Phil hits 65% of his greens and regulation, at least he did in 2018. But for this week, he hit 79%. So much higher, um, which is interesting in in that these greens are known to be a lot smaller at Pebble Beach. So his his accuracy with his irons was awesome, right? Incredible this week. And we all saw that if you watched any of the, of the tournament. Scrambling. His scrambling percentage for 2018 was 58%. That fits right within our benchmark of 44 to 58%. It's not way above. It's not way below. And Phil's known to be a very good scrambler. He's a wizard with the wedge, right? Well, he is right there in our benchmark. So again, a very good way for us to measure our games against these pros. As far as greens and regulation, I kind of skipped that one. But So Phil is 65% typically and was 79% for the tournament. Our benchmarks are 57 to 67%. So Phil typically fits right within that. And then for this particular tournament, he was way quite a bit above that, right at 79%. All right, next is sand saves. So Phil typically is gets up and down from the sand 59% of the time. But for this particular tournament, it was only 25% of the time, which I don't have the data. I couldn't find the data in front of me. It, it simply just means that he probably was in the sand trap very few times and got up and down one out of four, right? So I don't know exactly how that works out. Phil's typically a much better sand player than this. Our benchmark for sand saves is 32% to 55%. And again, we give ourselves quite a bit of leeway just because the sand traps that we play from, uh, frankly, stink compared to the sand traps that the, the tour pros play from. That seems to be, as far as golf courses go, when you compare golf courses that they play versus what we play, sand traps seem to be the most glaring difference between all of them. We have really good greens. Even the private courses and public courses around here have really good greens. And the agronomy, as far as greens go, has gotten really good. But we just haven't figured out sand traps. There's nothing to grow. There's nothing to do there. It's just an expense. I know at our club, it's a disaster. More often than not, it's brutal. Anyway, so Phil, 25% for the week, typically at 69%. I'm Excuse me, 59%. And we say somewhere our benchmark is 32 to 55%. So Phil is right in there, but not too far ahead of what those benchmarks are at 59%. All right, cool. Now we're going to jump into putting. So pots over 25 feet, we are saying that we should be making somewhere between 1% and 5% of those. Phil typically makes 6.4%. So above the benchmark, Phil is um, better than our benchmarks in putting from over 25 feet. 15 to 20 feet, Phil makes 24% of those. Our benchmark is 9 to 16%. So again, Phil is a very good putter from 15 to 20 feet compared to those benchmarks. Okay, putting from 10 to 15 feet, Phil makes 39%. 
our benchmark from that distance is 37 to 45%. So Phil fits right into there, kind of the lower end of our benchmark, but definitely what we'd call tour quality, and we would be okay with that number. I'm guessing because Phil is higher than those numbers of over 25 feet and 15 to 20 feet, he's probably not real happy with that 39% number, but that's where he's at. And then three to five feet, we've been breaking these out individually. So Phil makes 88% of his five-footers, 93% of his four-footers, and 99.6% of his three-footers. All very, very good. Putts per round. Phil makes 28 putts per round, which puts him fifth in 2018. Yeah, so Phil's scrambling numbers are, you know, around 60%. His sand saves and his scrambling is around 58 and 59%. So he has a lot of one-putt opportunities that he has to make for par. And that's why those, those numbers are so low. He, Phil, can, Phil knows how to get up and down. Uh, very cool numbers there. So now we're going down to the fun numbers. So Phil, I guess we could say a synopsis of Phil's game is there's definitely some areas where Phil exceeds our benchmarks, but not many. I mean, he's right there. Really, if it's you know 25-foot putts, 15 to 20 foot putts, he kind of exceeds our benchmarks. Sand saves, 59% versus 55, so just outside of them. Scrambling, he's right in our benchmarks. Uh, Greens and regulation, right in the benchmark. Driving accuracy, right in the benchmarks. So again, good numbers to, to use to compare our game to see where we really have weaknesses and where we don't. So we are working on the right things. Again, trying to manage expectations because we are so hard on ourselves as amateurs and we really should not be. Hopefully these tour numbers will help us be a little bit kinder to ourselves. Okay, so the fun numbers. So Phil, for his victory, he won 1.368 million bucks. 268 was the total score. And that averaged out, again, we break this out per day, per hour, and per stroke, just for fun, because we can. Uh, because we like math here at Data Access Golf. So per day, Phil made $342,000 per day. So that's not a bad day's work, right? Per hour, again, we're assuming five to five and a half hour rounds. That works out to be $68,400 an hour. That's not a bad wage if you can get it, $68,000 an hour. And per stroke, with his 268 strokes, it's $5,104.48 a stroke. I always use that number to defend Bryson DeChambeau and his slow play. Um, Brooks Kepka doesn't agree with me in the least bit, but if we sat there thinking that every stroke was going to cost us five grand, I think that it would weigh a little more heavily on us and we'd probably take our time a little bit better. So there's the numbers for Phil. Obviously a popular win. Sets him up nicely for Pebble Beach coming up for the U.S. Open in the summer. Obviously going to do some more research, try to get some more research out into what exactly Phil is doing to pick up the six miles an hour in his driver's speed. But I have a pretty good idea of what, not only what technology he's using, but what tools he's using in order to get that done. And, and, and obviously some flexibility. That's the first thing. That's one of the first things that goes as we get older is flexibility. I can testify to that. So that's what we've got today. Thank you for tuning in. Fun to watch Pebble Beach, a beautiful part of the world for sure. Remember, better data always means better golf. Till next time, thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com, and we'll see you on the next episode.